Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. And before we begin, I would like to thank my patrons. Thank you for your support. Um, without you guys, I won't be able to do this. And for everyone listening, you can join us and help us build community. You know, help us take this podcast forward. I'm an independent podcaster, so I need all the support I can get. And there's a lot more stuff that we're trying to do. Bring more people bring more diversity and um, like today's guest who you'll be hearing about in a few seconds, you know, continue to grow and reach further and wider. That's the goal of this podcast to tear down artificial walls and being a one man team. It's a, you know, it's a lot more difficult to do that just on my own. So I need to bring in more people. So we need that support and you can also get t-shirts at vetclothing.com. And if you don't have the ability to, join us on Patreon right now or um, get the t-shirts. That's fine. We understand because times are tough. But you can also support by liking, sharing, subscribing, and going on um, especially Apple podcast and giving a five-star rating and write a positive review. You know, I don't read the negative reviews. We don't need that, you know. But um, give us positive reviews. If you have something, uh, if you want to criticize, you have something constructive to give, uh, criticize about, yeah, send me an email. I'll read it. And if it's constructive, I'll take it. But if it's not, uh, well, toss it away. Who needs that? All righty. Let's jump to somebody who I've been looking up to for some time since the very first time um, this woman came into my life. I believe it was a friend of mine who, um, who's like well, one of my day one people. She lives in Texas who may have sent me one of her videos. And I was like, what? A Nigerian woman put herself out there like this? Hmm, this woman, this woman like trouble. This woman must be ready. Then let me, let me watch this video. I was like, hmm, okay, wow, okay. And the more I watched the video, I was like, wow, this this woman is a lot more than I expected. I, 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 I would definitely love to have this woman on the podcast. So before I get carried away, she is everything you can think of. She's a New York State licensed real estate broker. She's a certified inclusion and diversity specialist. She's a certified life coach. She's an activist and ambassador for the LGBTQ plus community. She's also a social media influencer. I did that myself. And she's, she goes beyond. She's an educator because the work she does on social media is about educating and um, tearing down artificial walls. And although there's a lot of people throwing vitriol at her, she still focuses on making sure the message gets out there. And it's very important, very, very important, because we need people like this in our lives. So without much further ado, I welcome Dr. Moji Sola Wilson. Welcome to the podcast today. My wife is a doctor. Oh, okay. I am just Moji Sola oh, Wilson. Oh, Moji Sola Wilson. Okay, <laughs> apologies. Moji Sola Wilson. And shout out to your wife, who has uh, my, my person who, in, who introduced the, um, introduced you to me is like the person with the biggest crush on your wife, too. So 
I'll throw that out there. She, she would come after me if I didn't say that. I, I'm not going to say her name, but she would come after me. She's like, your wife has to know that she has a huge crush on her. And yes, so welcome to the so podcast. Does, uh, how, how are you doing today? I am very well, thank you. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. I'm so happy to have you here. been wanting to do this for some time, so let's dive in. So let's go to the very beginning, you know, and you have such beautiful names. And I have a story about your name, Moji, because it relates to one of my classmates when I was in secondary school. But um, yeah, can, can you break down your beautiful names, what, what they mean? My name is Moji born into it's mojisola mojisola moji you know there's different variations of moji mm -hmm. but moji is to be born and in my case it's born into wealth mm. because i guess i was born when my father was beginning to make his money and then um the wilson part is my wife's name and my last name joined together sola is the solar energy the solar power um it's a name that i really really i hope i'm wearing well the sun always comes up um, but my, my Yoruba name is Moji Sola, born into wealth. Lovely. So when I was in GSS2 in Benin City, we had this young woman who was transferred into, who came into our class. She had grown up in London and uh, mm -hmm. I can't recall her last name, but I won't, I won't have even said it. But her family, you know, had for some reason, I think they moved to Benin City and uh, she, that's how she ended up in my school. I was going to Ward of It uh, College, Idaosa's, uh, late Archbishop Idaosa's school. And she was now in my class and she had the whole British accent. And for almost a week, nobody knew her. We pronounced her name wrongly. We called her Moji. Moji. Everybody was like Moji. So it was. Funny. Uh, one of these, uh, I think, yeah, was agricultural. I, I think agricultural home economics teacher, uh, and that was a Yoruba woman. She came and she's like, "Who's this? Who's this girl? Who are you? What's your name?" You know, Moji. Mo, where? Eh? Bring your notebook. Let me see. Yeah, brought the notebook. Ah, Moji Sola. <laughs> what is Mo? Mo what? Moji Sola. You don't even know your name. And that's when the whole class was like, "Oh, your name Moji Sola. <laughs> we'll be calling you Mo Moji." <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. since that since that day, the name every time I hear Moji Salav Moji, that, that yeah, I always remember that that incident, that story. <laughs> so that always comes to mind. So, can you uh, tell us where you were born and um, your 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 place of birth and uh, what your childhood was like? Well, I was born in Kaduna. Wow! And um, my dad lived in Kaduna with my mom back then. And then the war broke out. You know, I was born really during the war and the war broke out and everybody was trying to figure out where they would go. So my dad moved to Lagos and we lived in Ikoyi. And then from Ikoyi, we lived in Ilupeju. But of course, everybody's from Lagos, right? Mm -hmm. But we all have a village we're from. So I'm from Nigeria Kitty. And um, I grew up in Lagos primarily, but my dad owned businesses all across Nigeria. So I ended up going to high school in Ikere, and which is where they send all the bad Lagos kids <laughs> to I, I school in a village. So <laughs> <laughs> African comprehensive. Mm. Yeah, but that's where I ended up going. And it was very nice. I mean, 
And then I think I finished high school and could not pass A-levels. And, you know, instead of staying in Nigeria, my father just shipped me off. He woke me up 5 a.m. one morning and said, okay, you're going to America. And I'm like, who? Because nobody went to America in those days. America Mm -hmm. was not even considered to be a a place where you go for higher education. Everybody went to the UK. You know, we still had the opportunity to go back and forth in those days. We were still part of the Commonwealth. Yeah. So I was shocked. I'm like, why am I the one going to To America? America? Nobody go. All I knew about America was that they shot people. Bonanza. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let let me, I'll, I'll come back to Ikere. I hope I said it right, Kire. Uh, that, yeah. that, that was just fascinating. I haven't, I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> but something you said about that, just, yeah, I, I've heard of schools like that in almost every city that I've been to. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's why I love doing this podcast. <laughs> so, um, before we, we come back to Ikere, I have to ask this question that's like my one of my favorite questions to ask every guest. What would you consider your favorite childhood memory? Oh, God. My favorite childhood memory is waking up at Inibado, Gem Bakery. My own, my family owned the bakery on Iwo Road. Mm, Iwo Road. Waking up to the smell of fresh bread every day, running around, filling a part of the family because my uncle and aunt, actually my aunt ran the bakery, and they would give me... I had I was in charge of the donuts since I was like nine and my cousin was a week is a week younger than me so he would be in charge of selling the bread to the market women and I was in charge of selling the donuts and I think I must have ate I, I probably ate more donuts than I sold but that, that, was, that was my job and that that's really one of my favorite memories is growing up um going to the bakery on vacation because we lived in Lagos, a very different type of life. Yeah. And then you go to the to Ibadan on Iwo Road and you see a whole different type of living where people are just like really, really kind and nice to each other. Mm-hmm. And that for me was what I call Nigeria, you know, because the Nigeria of today, I don't know. Yeah. I remember the Nigeria where everybody looked out for each other and we took turns doing things and we all ate. Like when you go to the villages, you ate from the same bowl kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You know, it, that's that's my favorite memory. Yeah. Yeah. You, when you said Iwo Road, I was like, man, that's, I've been a long time ahead of Iwo Road. I can't recall why, yeah. what used to take me to Iwo Road because I lived in Ibadan for, <laughs> for, for, for a little bit. I finished my secondary school in Ibadan. Um, but oh, wow. Yeah. There's, uh, oh, yeah. I, I did a lot of... Um, Walkabouts in Nigeria. I, yeah, I was a, I was a Wakajugbe person. Yeah, so uh, I did uh, Wakajugbe in Ibadan. My Iwo Road. Yeah, my, my one of my aunts lived close to Liberty Stadium, and okay. I'm trying to recall. Somebody was at Iwo Road. Something took me to Iwo Road. I can't recall. Or maybe I went to chase women there. Uh, went looking for girls. There. I was just, you know, Iwo Road. I can't recall. It world was always commercial, but yeah. it used to have is, a lot of residential. Is that where? The, is that close that to the big market? Uh, in each direction, yes. Like you could go to the left or the right, and there's markets there. There's OJ Market, which is further down. Then you have the roundabout where mm-hmm. you have a lot of people selling stuff on the roads. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the was, world. Was there a fabric? It's massive. Was there a fabric market? around that area 
a big fab fabric market? I don't remember. I don't remember because I didn't go home for quite a while. Okay. And we went home. My wife and I went back in 2017 and everywhere, look, there's a bank oh. or people selling <laughs> built materials and things like that. So, yeah, it's changed uh, a lot. Yeah, it's probably, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, last time I was I was in that area was uh, yeah last time I was in that area was ninety nine so yes that's been a while too. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Everything has changed. <laughs> it's changed. Not the same. But yeah, I, I, that fabrics because I used to go buy fabrics. That was like one way I started. Uh, I developed my negotiating skills because they used to, I used to go buy. Yeah, they just give me the list. Go find these fabrics, and so um, I know I um, I used to go to the one of the the markets close to Dubai, Dubai Road. Right. And uh, I can't. I'm just. I'm seeing all the. It's just coming to my head. I'm seeing the places where I can't recall the names. I don't remember that much. <laughs> ah, but good times. Good times. <laughs> so, um, going back to Ikere, um. Were, were you were you uh, in boarding school or were you a day student? I was, of course, boarding school. You know, they shipped you from Lagos. Okay. Because a lot of us were bad kids. You yeah. know, you and bad kids meaning you ask questions. Uh -huh. It's not like that, you were that, killing that, anybody else. When you said bad kids, I, I, I already knew. Challenge questions. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've always been a person that asks a lot of questions. I always wanted to know why. Why didn't Jesus Christ have shoes? Why yeah. didn't he do this? You know, just simple things. Why do I have to kneel down? Why do I have to call somebody I don't even know my uncle? Is yeah. it related to me? <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of, you know, those kind of things, questions. Got you in trouble, yeah. Bad kids. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 As a kid, yeah, I, I got in trouble a few times too. And it was yeah. later on I said realized that wait every, everything everything was just called bad everybody was then who, who then right when I see the one doing the bad stuff I'm like how am I the same with this person you call me bad but I wasn't, <laughs> all I did was ask questions you know exactly and I became exactly. bad but later on yeah you were like why didn't you ask questions I'm like but you've been beating me for years for asking questions I so I now became quiet <laughs> And then when I became quiet later on down the years, you like you could have asked, you could have come to me, and I was like, uh, that's not the message that I got. You know, you yeah. have yeah. you know some of us were able to over crack past that and we still coming, but others beca became subservient and it's like okay, yeah, I'll just be in my yeah. shell, yeah. and okay, I told the line, you want me to the line and. Then people complain and say, "Oh, this person does not challenge authority." I'm like, "Yeah, because you know, you know they kind of that's how we were raised." Yeah, <laughs> you know? so. yeah. But uh, you know, the the sad part is that a lot of us that were very, um, I don't like to use the word aggressive, mm -hmm. so I'll say um, assertive. Yeah. And then you take us from Lagos and take us to the village. Now we become local champions. <laughs> You know, because I'm not kidding. I, I I don't remember ever fetching my own water. I don't remember mm -hmm. ever doing anything. You know, the senior prefects were all my friends because I'm from Lagos. Yeah. Everybody looks up to Lagos. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then you learn more about being bad, really. Mm. Like the true meaning of bad, you learn because now that you've been grouped with all these bad people, so now you know what bad, real bad stuff is. 
Like I used to jump the fence. You know, one of the biggest crimes I ever committed in school was jumping the fence to go and eat at a buka <laughs> because I was never allowed to eat a bookers at home. Ooh. Can you imagine? That was my uh. worst crime. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think yeah, if I, if I try jumping fence now, I think yeah, I, I, I don't even think I'll make it up to the fence <laughs> if I try. <laughs> <laughs> I hear but, you, Johnny. Ah, uh, but I yeah, hear you. That, that's where, yeah. <laughs> so, but when you arrived at Bodding House, were you? Um, because I've had a couple of guests, including the um the Nigerian born ones. Well, most of the Nigerian born ones, um, were went to Bodding House, and. A lot of them, it was traumatic for them. Some, it wasn't. And um, did you have any, was it trauma? What, what, what will you, you know, how will you summarize your boarding house experience? Boarding house for me was very enlightening. That's where I got to see what poverty really looks like. Because mm. I didn't know. That's where I got to see how people really lived in Nigeria. And because, and that's why... I tend to use the word Nigeria because when you grew up in Nigeria in those days in the 60s, where we had run in water, we had our 70s, where we had run in water in our home with hot and cold water running through the tap, and we had electric all the time. I just assumed every Nigerian lived that way, and we had butlers and we had cooks and we had a chef yeah. that came from the UK, UK trained. So I thought everybody lived like that, like that, until I went to boarding school. It was a realignment of my um, awareness, so to speak. But it was also very traumatic because those were the days where the teacher could whip you just for looking at them wrong. Yes. Those were the days where there was so much sexual harassment from principals and teachers. I don't know what's going on in the Nigerian schools these days, but it was very, one of the reasons I became very, a lot more, assertive and an extrovert is that I realized that the more assertive I am, you know, the more trouble I got into in the beginning, but then I became a rebel and people started to look up to me and people started to look for me to defend them. So boarding school for me was a bittersweet experience, but I wouldn't trade it for anything else because part of my foundation for my strength and courage came from boarding school because I had to stand up for myself. And I also ran for the state, so I was a local champion. Nice, great. So, from uh, your boarding school days, and and a lot of what you said mirrors, uh, interestingly, mirrors um, some of what my first guest from the LGBTQ commu uh, plus community uh, said about her boarding school experience. She's much younger. She's probably, I don't think she's, she's, I don't know her age officially, but I know she's younger than, um, she's not up to 30. She's okay. Not, yeah. So she is, so her, her, um, but in school experience is much more recent. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and it's a lot similar to some of the things that you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So but the school system needs to change in Nigeria, but that's a whole nother show. Oh, that that is that. Trust me, and ah, I, I I know that I was I was a day student, but our school was mixed, and we're always hearing stuff from the boarding school, and it was yeah, and but even on the day side, 
you know, I always share the story of how I didn't, uh, when I, I bought into the message of, I don't need to learn any other language. I'm great as, a, as an English guy. I'll be an English subject. And I didn't realize that I wasn't the only person in my class who didn't give a damn about not learning any other language. So one day our French teacher comes in and she's like, everybody bring your notes. And not one person in class had copied, uh, was taking notes for French two months into oh. the semester. So the woman got mad. And she was so mad that she's like, I'm, I'm, I, I can't even punish you for myself. So she just walks out. So we're like, oh, she's gone. We're happy. And then she comes back with this math teacher who lives for flogging. I don't remember that guy teaching us anything other than flogging. So he comes back with like oh, wow. um, 10 canes. Yeah, like 10 canes in his hand. Five to 10 canes in his hand. And um, he he's like, um, uh, Madam, how, how many strokes do you want me to give them? She's like, give them 10 on their back. Oh, God. And, <laughs> and we're like, ooh, we've not, we, we know, usually we prepare for the butt, being flogged on, 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 on our butt. And we, we, that's how we wear extra shorts or wear tights and then put shoulder pads. <laughs> we're, we're, we're teenagers, we're doing all manner of things to prepare. You know, we, we, because we love being flogged. It's a way of showing off. But now on our backs, we didn't prepare for that. So everybody's like, we don't know how hard it's going to hit. So nobody wanted to go first. And a girl steps up. And she takes the 10 strokes. Mm. She doesn't flinch once. She just pow, 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 pow. And at the, after the 10 strokes, she pops her collar. As soon as she Jesus. did that, it became a challenge. Every boy now is fighting. Oh, me next. I'm next. I'm next. I'm a, hey, get, put, this man is not surprised. Why, why, you, why do you all want to be flogged? <laughs> what is going on here? But that was how, in the end, we, we came to adopt flogging because it got to a stage yeah, we realized yeah. that these people who were beating us didn't have anything else to offer other than their frustration exactly. via beating. So once we overcame that fear of the beating, yeah. we started loving it. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, so it's just unfortunate. And you know, you get, yes, go ahead. You get street creds, you get street creds mm -hmm. in, in boarding school for getting in trouble. You know, so it's like the more trouble you got into, the more popular you became. Yeah. Especially if you're somebody like me, uh, you want to flog me, flog me. I'm still doing what I want to do kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So you become very, very popular and kids look up to you and such. And, you know, after a while, I realized that, wait, I need to start using, by the time I hit like from four or five, I started to use my voice for something a bit more positive, you know, telling them to go to school, make sure you take your classes and do the right things and stuff. And I remember my dad telling me one day, he's like, oh, all of a sudden you want to be an activist. I didn't even know what the word meant, but <laughs> I was always speaking up for the younger, younger students. And people talked about how they had horrible experiences in boarding school with the senior prefects. Wow. I had senior prefects doing my laundry and all that stuff because I always had provisions. I always had money, you know, so you mm -hmm. could buy your way, you know, Nigeria, you could buy your way out of a lot of um, corners. You paint yourself into but it was a good experience I, I i today at least i value the life lessons i got from that so yeah the person who you are today began from your boarding school experience you started changing then you you know i like i, I like to say when i'm talking about my my life um journey I always say there were cracks that popped up every now and then, and those cracks kept getting wider and wider. And that yeah. led to 
my embracing who I am today because obviously I wasn't the guy who was open to talking to people of different sexual orientations, people of uh, different religions, people of different from different backgrounds and different countries. I wasn't that person at a certain point in time, but certain cracks happen at different points that, you know, I didn't try to shut them down immediately. And right. it sounds like, you know, you, with your dad even recognizing that you, you calling you an activist, because sometimes we don't even yeah. know, we, without seeing it that way, we just like, I'm doing this. And then someone else will look at you and say, ah, this person's a leader. You, you are leading people. This person is, you're an activist, you know? But did you have someone that you saw doing something that made you say, I like what this person is doing. Maybe I should follow them or- Honestly, you know, honestly in those days, mm -hmm. there was Mrs. Cookie, Mrs. you know, fellow mom. Oh, yes. Was the only woman that I saw or heard. And that's because my father was submerged in it. My mm. dad also had, uh, by the time I left Nigeria, I think he had about seven wives. So until there's a, one of my stepmothers who's a fashion designer, who I don't know if she's still fashion designing, was very assertive. She was our own woman. She didn't take any crap from anybody. And you know, women are supposed to be subservient to men in our culture. Yes. And she just was her own person. She made our own money, she did her own things. I mean, she was kind of different. So those were the people that I saw, but mainly my most, my influence of my father, because he always spoke up, you know, for the underprivileged, he always paid. He built one of the first technical schools in a, in, in a village for free. You know, it wasn't a commercial venture. It was just a philanthropic venture. He created work for so many people. There would be lines of people at his door to his office coming to collect tuition. He sent so many people abroad to universities. There was a day on Facebook, somebody inboxed me and said, my name is so, so, so I'm a lawyer. Your father paid my tuition throughout college and he paid for law school. He also gave me a land in blah, blah, blah place. Wow. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, but those, that is what I grew up with. And that for me, I think between my dad and Mrs. Kuti and all her activism as for, women's rights that's what kind of molded me and then i came here of course and i i came to the united states as a teenager and i built on watching i hate to say i grew up with oprah and all the yanlas and tony robbins and all of them you know and that was one of the most important um journeys i i to self for me hmm. yep that's why it's always important uh the legacy that we leave behind. It's, uh, we don't know who we are. You know, it's, it's not about, I, I say it's not about, uh, for me, it's just, I do what I do. And at the end of the day, I just hope my daughter looks at me and says, yeah, you, I, I, he treats people like a human being. And he shows, he recognizes the humanity in people and from there she can take it up to wherever she wants to go. I don't need to like design a path for her. Like, you must go on this path and that, but right. I, I think that's, that's a, a great way to just, that's a great starting point. If I, if I may, you know, put it that way, just, you know, start the kids there. Cause at the end of the day, we might 
write a book, give the children books, give them uh, uh, tablet, whatever, device, watch this documentary and everything. But the kids always see what their parents did. Yes. And yes. that is their biggest learning point. They're like, yeah, this yeah. is my, my dad or mom. The, if you were being a monster, then I guess being a monster is good. It worked for you. I'm adopting that. Those are the biggest languages that they yeah. understand. So it's very important that, uh, you know, our actions speak. Even when we think we are not speaking, they still speak. So I would like to jump uh, forward to United States. But before we do that, we shall take a quick break. And uh, we shall be right back shortly. Hi everyone, your host Rafael Harry here. I can't believe we have gone past our one year anniversary of doing White Label American. I've had the privilege of speaking with some amazing people, sharing their modern day immigrant stories. And you've allowed this Nigerian immigrant to share parts of his immigrant journey through this podcast. Also, one of my goals of this podcast is breaking down artificial walls that keep people from getting to understand each other. Based on your wonderful feedback over the last year, I think we have done a decent job in breaking down some of those walls. We would like to continue and expand on this mission, but we need your help. I've had an amazing time creating and producing episodes for this show largely on my own. We have a lot of ideas for new and exciting content to expand upon the mission, but we need direct support from you, our listener, which is why we have created a White Label American Patreon page where you can make a one-time donation or become a sustaining contributor where you can get access to exclusive content, help me interview upcoming guests, by submitting questions and even have the chance to sit down with me for a one-on-one -on -one conversation either virtually or in studio. So if this podcast means something to you and if you really love this show, think about becoming a sustaining contributor and donating by going to patreon.com slash white label american pod thanks for listening and for the privilege of your company all right welcome back and thank you all for staying with us through the break so um i wanted to touch on your arrival in united states after secondary school and um when you arrived, what was the first shock that you had, your first culture shock that you can recall? First of all, I'd always gone I'd always gone to the UK. Okay. So and it was always summertime. So I never experienced winter before. Mm. Right? I came in my flip-flops in a pretty dress that the tailor had made for me. And I stepped into the worst winter storm of that year. Ooh. With flip-flops on and snow up the way to all the way up to my knees it was crazy 
It was a blizzard. Wait, what, what city and did you go to? And that was my first call to shock. Boston. Oh, I went my to goodness. school in Boston. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah can well, you imagine? Yeah. I landed in Boston, <laughs> and as soon as we stepped off the plane, I knew I was no longer in Kansas. Let me leave it that Woo! way. And um, the culture was so... I was whisked away from the airport to my, what we call, host parents. Mm -hmm. In those days, your parents will pay a family to take care of you, to watch over you while you're in boarding school here. Yeah. And I went to a boarding school, a high school, to finish, uh, to do what is considered, is like an A-level but okay. it's college prep, they called it. So you get used to the American system of education. So I spent one year in um, boarding school there. And um, the first day in class, let me share that story. That's oh. when I knew I was never, ever going back to Niger. So the first day in <laughs> class, the students, of course, I'm always the only white per black person in most of my circles way back then mm -hmm. so it's a private boarding school in the heart of boston all these kids from like um you know car uh, name it diane carroll's daughter was there uh rich people's kids from you know saudi arabia i have friends that who's it was ridiculous anyways and in class that day this american oyibo kid white kid was arguing with the teacher first of all nobody told you don't even look at the teacher in nigeria you're looking down oh yeah and they're going back and forth call, call and master. he says to the teacher he's like f you and flips the guy and the teacher didn't say much and then the kid just got upset and packed up his stuff and walked out of the class i'm thinking oh he's gonna get it today nothing <laughs> happened not a single thing happened <sighs> And when I walked up to the teacher and asked the teacher, why would, why, why didn't you beat him? He's like, we can't do that. I'm like, why didn't you suspend him? He goes, well, that's between him and the principal. And I'm looking and I said, why did you let him do that? He goes, in America, we have something called human rights. I was floored. So that's, that was my co biggest culture shock, really. That people actually had a voice. And it's not about power or who had the authority. It's about, you know, everybody having a voice. So, yeah, that was an amazing experience. Wow. Yeah, that, I, I, I can see how that, 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 that led you saying, yep, I'm not, I'm not going back to school in Nigeria. <laughs> nah, no way, Jose. After experiencing something <laughs> like that, then you 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 come face a, a lecturer who's going, "Wow, well, you did not buy my hand out, or you did not you did not call me sir or, or yeah. ma." Yeah. Fail, <laughs> you fail already. Can you imagine? <laughs> ah, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, um, one big part of you was uh, is discovering your truth and you've been you're very open about it and uh about your sexual identity and even this despite all the attacks that you know a lot of people try to come at you on social media and try to try to hit you from different angles but you still you know use that to preach the cause and um you know educate people like myself who are still learning where i'm still pretty much new to um 
the diversity of the LGBTQ plus community, even though I've when I look back now, I'm like, yeah, it's always been around me. It's always been around me. It's just something that uh, the messaging was, don't recognize it. If we don't see it, you don't hear it. Uh, if you don't see it, then you won't hear it and you won't acknowledge it. But um, so when did you begin to realize that you weren't like, you know, the, the messaging that we all get, like, you know, uh, I know when I was about nine years old and I told my mom I, I was still Catholic then. I told my mom I, I, I would like to become a priest and my mom said, oh, that's great. You, you, but you know you're not going to get married, right? I said, what? I won't get married to a woman? She said, yeah, you can't get me. Priests don't get married to women. You, you're going, you know, you, you're married to the work of God. I said, hell no. What, what married with work of God? Oh, no way. At age nine. <laughs> that, that's, you know, and celibate. No. I said, no. And, you know, even I don't know why that came out of my mouth then, but <laughs> that's how my dream of becoming a, a Catholic priest ended immediately. And but it was all about you must get married to uh, a woman and have kids, you know. And there was someone in my house who had come out that he was gay. When the and then the whole opera in the house started, and you know trying. Uh, do the um, uh, what's that uh, therapy that they try to use to uh, conversion therapy? Conversion yeah. therapy. So actually, mm -hmm. they, it was actually going in my house in the the early nine late eighties into the early nineties. They, they they were doing all that on the person on the individual. Which now looking back, I I begin to realize that I was seeing that happen. It makes sense now. I was seeing right. it happen, but I was too young to even grasp what was going on. So when did you begin to realize who you were and your truth and begin to own the person that you are today? Well, I was 14 when I had my first relationship and my relationship with, was with a girl. She was a neighbor. And um, I think we dated for about a year, but it wasn't anything abnormal to me because in boarding school, almost everybody had what was called issue in those days. You had a girl that was your partner, mm -hmm. lover, whatever you want to call it. And we were not thinking sex anyways. We we're just emotionally connected to a person, very deeply connected. And while all my friends were running around thinking about, you know, um, L.D. Barge and Michael Jackson and all the other ones, I wasn't really interested in any of those people. I was more attracted to like Dinah Ross and those kind of, you know, women. Yeah. And when I came and I really in my today, if you ask me, I think my father knew, which is why he separated me from everybody else. I think he knew that I was different. That's why he brought me to the United States because I was the only one that came here. All my other siblings, 12 of them went to the UK. Wow. But when I got here, I focused on education. I focused on doing what I enjoy doing about being here. I was not interested in men and all people talked about was men around me and boys and such. And I did date a few men, but I wasn't sexually attracted to them. I, I connect to guys if on a friendly level more than I do women. It's the funniest thing, but I'm not attracted to them sexually. And to be a lesbian, you have to be emotionally, romantically, physically attracted to a woman. And that's what I found myself as. 
So I stood still. And when I turned 26, I decided I wanted children. So I had them with a friend of mine. He made me sign a piece of paper. You'll never come from child support. And that was great. And then as I got older, you know, I'm running my businesses and such. And my family kept asking, when are you get married? All the, my other siblings would get married and having babies. I'm like, I already have kids. What more do you want? When are you going to get married? When are you? And I, then I met somebody I wasn't really dating, but we were friends. And I told him, I think there's something wrong with me because I'm not actually, I am not actually attracted to men at all. And I think I find women attractive. And it's like, ah, don't worry about it. Most people are that way, whatever. And we let it go, but it didn't work because when, and I realized that because I was very, very successful. I am, well, I, I like to say I am, but back then I have, I, my office was one of the only black owned offices. I was on the board of governors, first black woman ever in 70 years in the Staten Island board of um, realtors. I had all these accolades and awards and things, but I just felt less. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel worthy i felt less because i'd never seen a nigerian that was out and gay i've seen a lot of nigerian women sleeping with each other yeah. that are married but i'd never seen one that was sitting out there and gay and if you have integrity you it, it just didn't feel i didn't want to be a part of that what mm -hmm. i saw was not who i am i don't believe people should cheat mind you remember i came from a father that had 12 wives yeah. so cheating having multiple partners, that was so repulsive to me. I didn't want to be a part of it. So I, in the church, uh, a Christian, put myself in conversion therapy myself. It wasn't, nobody sent me there. I just tried to get myself cured because I had heard in so many different churches, you could pray homosexuality away. I prayed and I fasted and I prayed and I was so thin seven years ago. 12 years ago, I was so thin. I was 135 pounds soaking wet. And then I, I, I tried to commit suicide three times. And it, the third time I saw God who told me, I have a purpose for your life. And this was, I think, 2006, all the way to 2009. I was still struggling with myself. And then I came out to myself first. And then 2009, God, I heard God tell me to come out on social media. And I'm like, uh-uh. We're not doing that. <laughs> we are so not doing that. And for the next few years, I was out, but not out, if, if that makes any sense. Like people that were close to me knew I was gay, but I sat there on Facebook and I would just do my write-ups and I would talk about things. I'll make videos and post them. But I never came out on social media until about 2011 because a lot had happened in my life at that point. I'd been to Nigeria, slept on the grave of Oshofa, Celestial Church for seven days, believing I would be cured, and I wasn't cured. I had been so many different places, and it just, eventually I owned who I am. And the moment I began to stand up and speak up, I was attacked a lot on social media. I was called all kinds of names. But because I had heard God tell me to stay focused on him and not on pastors or mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Uh, which is exactly what I did. I kept going. I hope that answered your question. It does. More, it more than answers the question. Because, you know, when, when you said you came out but didn't come out, it mirrored, you know, it, it just spoke to me because, you know, I'm, I'm not religious. I don't practice any religion anymore. And that doesn't mean I don't relate to people's experiences. 
So I'd right. mentioned uh the, I'd mentioned someone in my family, in my household, being right, you know, uh um being a member of the community, the LGBTQ plus community. And there are various times that this person has come out without coming out. Yeah. And yeah. I remember the first time this person supposedly came out was one time he sent me an email and the person in the email said, I am gay. Uh, do whatever you yeah. want to do with this information. I don't care anymore. And I was like, you know what? That, I think that was when the crack, well, at that point in time, I think I was uh, 21, 22, 21, 22. Mm. I read the email. I was in Port Harcourt. I read the email and I said, you know, I'm not going to tell the rest of the family because I knew what the rest of the family were going to say. But <laughs> this is not, um, if this is what you say you are, that's fine. I still love you. I'm not going to hate you. Um, I, I can't say I'm going to hate you. Yeah, it didn't even make sense for me to, for that to come out of my mouth. Exactly. But at that point in time, I was the person who would say, you can exist if you are gay. But you just can't marry because it's only man right. and woman that should marry. That right. was where I was at that point in time. Right. But for my person, I will defend right. you. I will stand by you. I will. That was my person. And then later on, the person changed right. and said, "Ah, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm you no. Know, I'm not gay anymore. I want to get married to a woman." And this, that, that. It changed. And then later on, it will change again. And it's like a coming out on Facebook. And then there will be like. Yeah. Back and forth with people, and then he and this person will not be telling me like you know people were attacking me on Facebook, but in my inbox, then he will show me the inbox. There are people actually coming to this person and say, "Hey, I'll be in town." On, yeah. You know, you know, you know let, let's let's meet up. Yep. And, and that's how the person was yep. getting hookups, and I was like, "Wait, so this person did not defend you when people were attacking you? Yeah. But they are willing to hook up with you, and." What what is going on here? And it was through this process I started finding out how large the gay community was. Where I, you in Benin no City, idea. where we were <laughs> in Delta State, they showed me a former chief justice who actually sent people to jail. Yep. And, and that that's how the whole crack just blew up because you know the, the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy was too much. I was like, I can't. How am I gonna be like? I'm, I want people to be in jail for being gay. Like what what? I can't even stand by that. So by the time I even joined the Navy, when they asked, they, they brought the survey, don't ask, don't tell. They wanted to, because when I joined the Navy, it was around when right. they, they, they were getting ready to take out, don't ask, don't tell. But they still did the survey. And they brought it to me, and I was like, why am I even, why are you even thinking about this? Man, take, scrap this thing. It doesn't make sense. Because if there are people who still want to serve their country, when people right. are trying to persecute them, they are still willing to put their life on the line. Yep. Man, just give it to them. Take this thing off. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. And people were like, oh, it's the end of America. What end? How has, has America ended? That's not the reason why America will end. <laughs> it's not the not reason at all. why. So, you know, and, but the sad thing now is that that person who actually started the whole cracks in my life and made me be like, I'm not going to be that person who will be homophobic anymore. I won't be that person who, you know, be okay with people attacking um, homosexuals. That person is now because he still hasn't come out to himself. The person can't come out to him right. because the person wants to be like, okay, I'm a Christian. I want to be a minister. So uh, today I'm advertising this. Tomorrow 
I'm going to be, I'm coming out as I'm a, I'm a member of the LGBTQ. So last year, during the, the uh, after George Floyd was murdered, the person came out and said he can't support BLM because lesbians are leading the organization. He can't, why lesbians lead the organization? And I was just, I was like, what, what is going Confusing, on? Confusing, right? What is going on? What, what? itself internalized homophobia. And, and then next thing, the person attacking trans people. And I was like, but you wrote a book. How oh, you had a trans person as a friend. And so it got to a stage, I was like, I, you and I, we can't be in the same circle anymore because it's, it's just sad. This is where you want to yeah. be at. And that's how we separated. And I appreciate the person helping me come out of my backward shell back then. But I can't continue on that journey where the person is at. But that's why I was, it was so important when you said, you know, coming out without coming out. Because there's so many people, there are yeah. a whole bunch of them that I know from through that person in Nigeria right now who has, who never, who've come out without coming out. Struggling. They're struggling with it. See, for, and, yeah. for a lot of Nigerians, between Christianity or religiosity, mm -hmm. Family members, the self hate is what drives them to do what they do. Mm. It's internalized homophobia. Yeah. And then the fear of what people will do to them. Because when you look through the Bible, there's really no place for LGBTQs in the Bible, which is another reason I no longer call myself a Christian, but I read the Bible every day. I use the Bible as a study, a guide. Like I would use a biology book in my biology class. Life for me is a, is a classroom. Oh. So for, your, for somebody like your person that comes out and doesn't come out and then goes back in, it's self-hate. Most of yes. the people that give me the most hate on social media are people in the closet or on the down low. Because they figure if they attack Moji, it deflects. You know, I have a show on Facebook called Authentic Conversations that I've done for seven, eight years. And when I was in, say, bringing my whole authentic self to the table, I had tons of followers. When I came out, Bagada, and drew the line and said, I'm a lesbian. Because when you first come out of the closet and you've been with men before you think you're bisexual. Mm -hmm. But as I grew comfortable in my own skin, I realized that I'm a lesbian. Because when you say you're a bisexual, you're still giving hope to some men. Oh, yes. To think they can still get you. We, we love that because that and dream of threesome is always there that with men. You know? Yeah. So for me, what I realized is that a lot of the people that are in pain, hmm. they try to deflect the attention from their sexuality by attacking those of us that are up and out, living out loud. So I feel sorry for them most of the time, really. Because I can't imagine the self-imposed prison that they live in, especially in 2021, all over the world with the internet. We all know how hard it is to yeah. be LGBTQIA, but mm -hmm. it's a price you pay for your freedom and nothing beats that. It's a price you pay for your freedom. That's... Yeah. I knew you were going to drop a lot of gems today. That is another powerful one. <laughs> the price you pay for your freedom. I might, I might it be, is. I Everything be. comes with a price. Yeah, that's true. And that's why there, there are some people who sometimes they just reach out to me and I, I, I feel, I know there's like, there's something they want to say and yeah. they struggle and I'm like, 
just say it. Say it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna bite you. Just <laughs> say, it. say it. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another time that changed my life too was um, when I got sent to the Kingdom of uh, Bahrain, um, Bahrain for many people, and you know, right. I, I was like, oh, going to Middle East, Sharia law, and all that, and I, re- I arrived there. And yep. it was completely opposite like the saudis came there to party on the weekends kuwaitis came there all the countries yep. are strict there that's their las vegas the ones who can't go to dubai and that's Qatar, right they come there and that's right they were men men they were you, you can find male prostitutes you can find uh transsexuals and and you, you start talking and you're like oh yeah everybody likes everybody they're like i'm like wait so why can't you have this in your country oh you know we can't just, and i'm like Wait, so you come to this other country and you do this here. And I, and when you start talking to people there, it was like being in Nigeria. <laughs> it just felt like I was right? in Nigeria. And I, and I think that also led to me just, you know, changing, uh, whole, dropping a, um, a lot of my uh, um, ignorance and throwing it, tossing it away. Because there were some Nigerians there who were still like, uh, bro, I saw you hugging one guy at a party. You know, he's gay. I said so. But you know, <laughs> you know he's gay. I said so. Uh, I, I wouldn't hug him. I said oh, okay. But that's your that's your problem. Uh, but you, I mean, it, it's uh, but we should we, they should they, those people shouldn't be alive. You know, they shouldn't be around. I said, uh, well, what is exactly the problem uh, in Nigeria? How gay people cause? Can you show me one problem that Nigeria has today that it's because of a gay person? If you can just give me one, I will I will agree with whatever point <laughs> you're trying to make. Just one problem. My guy is there for starts sweating, thinking, he say, my brother, that's true. I never thought about that point <laughs> from that. You know, I never thought about it that way. Now that you brought this, eh? Ah, okay, I'll be okay. I will stop saying what I'm saying. But you know, God, 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 I say, mm. yeah, I, I know I've seen your Ten Commandments too. The, the, the first one, the, the, the most important thing your God told you to do. It didn't say start with gay. But um, I, 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 I don't know where you got your ranking from and then made gay number one. But uh, I know the I people mean, who cause a lot of debt, cause a lot of your problems. Yeah, it, it's not yeah. because they are gay. That's why you are where you are. Maybe you might want to take I care mean, of that issue. Yeah, this so. guy, this guy, you, you be gay? Where you they talk like this? I said, must I be gay before mm-hmm. I tell you the truth? Is it only limited to you? If someone... Tells you, talks to you about racism. Does it mean only is it only racist that can identify racism? And guy like ah, now wow. why people don't talk like this for Nigeria? I said because if they talk like this in Nigeria, you try to kill them most of the time. So you know, yes, and, and you know, Nigerians, are, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is that we are good at pointing fingers at everybody else instead of being accountable for our part. That is it in the problem of Nigeria. Yeah. Everything that happens these days, you could say a house, a building burned down, they want to blame gay people, you know, because it's a way of deflecting from the actual problem. Jonathan, uh, good luck, Jonathan, created this law, put this law into place when he was being um, investigated for sapphire billions of dollars out of Nigeria. So he created a distraction. It's the ultimate and of course, di- distraction because Nigeria, for Nigeria. Isn't it though? It's, oh, it has Nigerians always been the ultimate distraction because it's, it's the only time that uh, 
you see the the, the, uh, the Muslim and Christian don't they don't, don't want to fight each each other. They're like, yes, we agree on. Is it yeah. either that or uh, <laughs> abortion? They all agree. And meanwhile, you can if you want abortion, you can do it any anywhere in Nigeria. You can have abortion. You can as far as you yeah, can, just so. a doctor. Same thing. We you find gay people everywhere. I mean, well, um, just before I left, uh, two years before I left uh, um, Nigeria, when I was uh, in Port Harcourt. The guy used to buy DVDs from on the street side because I couldn't I couldn't afford to go watch movies at uh, the cinema. I went up right. to him one one day and because of the familiarity, I didn't even have to ask him for movies. I just start digging into his uh, his wares at right. you know, and so I'm digging and I get to the bottom and I realize that there's like a whole set of DVDs covered in uh, like a black uh, plastic bag covering another set of DVDs at the bottom. I'm like, wait, this guy got some goodies here. He didn't, yeah, well, why are you keeping it from me? That's what I had in my, in my mind. Like, how dare you have something like this? So like, I lift it up and I pull out one the first DVD and it was gay porn. Yep. And I'm like, wait. So I look right, left. Nobody noticed me, noticed that I had that man. So I pushed it back quickly. You know, trying to be like, oh, I don't watch this. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what this is. So I push it back. So I waited till it uh, there was it wasn't crowded, and then I asked the, the guy, "Hey man, uh, I saw something." The black, I said, "Ah, my guy, you went down there. You weren't supposed to go there. You should have asked me. I would have hooked you up if you want it." I said, "No, no, 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 no. I don't want." But people actually buy that. He said, "Yes, now. Yes, why would I be do. selling something people don't you buy?" Probably sells more. Like why? Why yeah, do I, why do I sell more? And I started thinking. So people buy that. Somebody watches it, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We are here, and there's and there's so much that, and I was, I'm like, so there were the different times that, that I was like, so many times I saw so many things like that, but I still chose to be blind to it, like, oh, they don't exist, yeah, because it's yeah. it's it's much more easier to go with the narrative that oh, it was white people that just brought gayness to Nigeria and dropped it, ta-da, become gay, like how, yeah, like why, why would all the languages have? know what gayness was. Every tribe knows what a gay person is. Then all of a sudden it's just only, yep. oh, but white people came and made you gay. Mm, no. No. And when you start looking at it that way, you're like, yeah, it's it, they've been here. They are part of us. They are us. It's not like they are aliens. They are us. We are them. We've, we are all we, we are all yeah. together in this on, on this boat. And the moment I started yes, looking indeed. that way, it just changed how I looked at things. And that's why I'm more open to learning and I've been learning a lot. I actually found out on one podcast recently that uh, um, in Yoruba language, there's uh, betting people is um, part of, um, it's a translation. I've forgotten what the translation was that she gave in language. And uh, it was a trans woman that was talking in language. And she was, um, she, she has an Ifa priestess that's like her go-to mother. Yeah. Her adopted mother. And, I was like, wow. So even in Yoruba language, trans people are recognized. That was Oh yeah. And she and that just blew my mind. And I was like, come on. And somebody gonna come here and be like this an abomination. Like, what do you mean is abomination? You know, not for nothing. When you look at the traditional Yoruba um uh path to God, mm-hmm. Ifa. Yep. And the Orisha worshippers. Yes. They actually value LGBTQIA people, especially the trans people. They call them double spirited because they have the energy of the female and they have the energy of the man. 
but one always overrides each other. Like women, like my wife, that's a female, a mm -hmm. cis woman, yeah. but she has a masculine center. God created her looking like a man. God created her with a much more masculine center, but she's perfectly happy with her body being a woman. So women like that are considered, they're actually valued and celebrated in the Yoruba culture. You'll never find an Ifa priest telling you that LGBTQ people are from the devil because they know better. Wow. They understand the sense of spirituality that goes into being a lesbian, gay, bisexual, bisexual, transgender, mm. because it's much more than sex. Yeah. It's an essence. It's a way of being. It's, it, it's, I tend to tell people these days, I'm like, look, God saw you and made you part of the 90%. So ain't nothing special about you, honey. But me, as a lesbian woman, God looked at me on the way down and said, would you wait? I beg, wait one second. Let me make you a bit more special. And he sprinkled <laughs> a little bit of jazz on me. And because when you look it up at the LGBTQ community, you, most of us anyways, that own who we are, a lot of us are very fabulous people. We're artsy, we're very creative, we're, uh, and because of the stuff we go through, we becomes very, we, we have a lot of grit, we have a lot of um, uh, perseverance, yep. and because of the abuse that we've endured along the way. So yeah, I, I think the, the part of the biggest problem for black people in general is that we don't know our story. Mm. We know his story, yeah. the stories that have been passed down to us. And that's the biggest problem in our community. Yes, that's why I'm, I always love hearing and learning, relearning the stories from the past. And yeah. even if it's not just, even if it's not from my tribe, I absorb it because it's also a way of my moving forward. Because I believe in if you don't know your past, you can't, you can't know your future. You can't know where you're heading to. Yeah, you need the past. I also believe forward. that. Yeah, so thank you. For, yes, very indeed. Much for that. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be looking more into um, Ifa and uh, Orishas because uh, yes, there's so much beauty to learn there, and I I hope to get all that. So my my daughter's going to you know she's the biggest bene uh, benefactor of all this because she's she's going to be getting all that knowledge. So right, yeah. She, 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 when, 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 when it's time for her to come tell kids stories in class, yeah, she's not gonna come and be telling them these basic stories that everybody knows. I know she's gonna come hit you with something that. Amen. Everybody's gonna be like, "Wow, <laughs> where you get this? Where, where, where you get this from?" I'm like, yeah, you gonna, you gonna <laughs> learn. You gonna learn. <laughs> so, yes, so. you do a whole lot of work, you know. And um, wait, before I get into this question. You know, how did you officially begin your your uh, authentic conversations? You know, how did you decide to put yourself out there, like you know, embrace being on social media? You know, how did you have Initial that confidence to just you know start broadcasting yourself? Initially, I was going through so much emotionally. The in the real estate market had crashed, and it was an outlet. So I would write about, it was like my diary. I would write about my day and what I'd been through and what I'm going through. And um, I went through a period where uh, I sold my cars and I bought a bicycle. And I figured, look, 
instead of being ashamed and hiding this, I'm going to post it on social media. And I did. So I would just blog about my days and my issues and what I'm going through and my successes. And then when I became a lot more confident, I started to talk about my sexuality. I started, I would, when I was dating a woman, instead of saying her or she, I would say they, mm. because they has no gender. And then little by little it evolved. And then I'm sitting there one day and I just said, um, you know, for you guys that are straight, because I talk about relationships, I talk about uh, parenting, I talk about getting an education, I talk about everything, I just talk about life. And then one day I just said that after God had said I needed to come out, I created a blog talk radio called um, Chatting with the Village. And then I created another one called The Real LGBTQ Lives. I did that for about three or four years. And I would bring it to Facebook. And then I came out on Facebook. I think it was 2012 or 2011. And 45,000 people heard me. Of course, 30,000 people slotted me as well. <laughs> but I kept going. And then God, I, every time I got really like tired, God will say, focus on me. Because pastors, moms, everybody was in my inbox telling me who I am and how I should go rot in hell and this and that. But my affirmation for my affirmation came when I met my wife. I was sitting on my on, on my show and another guy who's gay and he no longer believes in God because he, he's been slotted by church like me, but I still believe in God. So he's on his show saying, I'm an atheist. If you want some, to listen to somebody that uh, believes in God or and preaches the word of God, go listen to Moji. And I don't even think he realized what he was saying, but he dropped that in there. And my wife was watching his show and she came looking for me. And then she had been watching me for a while. And one day I said, oh, uh, and I'm a lesbian. And just by that, and she's been a lesbian all her life anyways, that's how we met. And I, somebody was trying, was going to be scamming me on some not-for-profit I was raising money for. She called me and we started talking. And that is how we met. Wow. And I've been just focused because I believe there's a purpose for what I do. There is. There is. And I know someone who's going to be so happy with that answer because that was one of the questions she wanted me to ask. How did you meet your wife? So... <laughs> You got your answer, so she you told me like three times. Make sure you ask that question. I was like, oh my goodness, this this woman is gonna find me all the way from <laughs> Texas. I'll come here with that cow cowgirl hat and come. I'm like, hey, I'll be in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned parenting, you mentioned family. So um, how did your kids react to you coming out as a lesbian? You know what's funny? I sat at the table and I pulled all of them together and I said, oh, I would like to talk to you guys. You know, I'm gay because I was getting ready to come out on social media. Yes. You know, and I, the youngest kid goes and my oldest daughter is like, I already knew it was like it wasn't a big <laughs> deal. But then I have another son that has toxic masculinity whose whole thing is, you know, you can be gay, but you can't be gay outside. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, okay. I, I but it was a struggle. Yeah, it was it was just being transparent and being open. And today, some are okay, some are not. But it's my life to live. Yeah. And what we forget is that mothers and fathers are human beings as well. True. And we, if we don't live our authentic life, we cannot become the best version of who God created us to be. 
you know, but the more I stand in my power, the more I stand in my purpose, the more the children have turned around. And I think it's actually made them a lot more, more assertive and aware of who they themselves are. You know, there's something that you said there that um, I think I was on Clubhouse talking on um, under that, on a good friend's um, in a good friend's room, and mm-hmm. there was something about kids, and you know, there's this thing that people always do that uh, or say that we we assume children we we have to protect children to the extent that we deny them. We we think we are protecting them by keeping them away from. The, the, from life, from situations of life, until they become adults. Right, right, right. Meanwhile, they're seeing everything. They know. They right. know. My, my, oh, uh, yeah. my daughter. The first time uh, when the first time she walked, you know, I was at home with her, and she gets herself up. And what's the first thing she does when she's able to take steps? She grabs the swiffer and starts pushing it. And I was like, "What is?" Like, you're not even going to walk like walk yeah. like she just starts pushing the swiffer but she sees me you know cleaning and she sees I mean stay at home dad yeah. right now and she sees me doing cleaning she's it's something she's seen me doing so it's, it's they know they know kids they absorb they and imagine they you coming out and lying they would have exactly been like why are you still lying you know but they may not have been at the stage where they want to confront you but at right. one point in time, but you have, lose respect. Yeah, yeah, you know. But you exactly you lose respect, and others yeah. will say, "Oh, yeah, but you know, I did it to protect you." And I say, is it really protection, or you know? And we don't consider that aspect of the children want to be involved. They want to. They want you to yeah. take them into yeah. consideration. And I, I think it's something that um, I'm, I'm, we need you know, to remember. I have to add something for your audience because a lot of women that come to me saying that they are on the down low, Mm -hmm. which means they're married to a man and they have women outside that they're dating at the same time. I call them cheaters, not bisexual. And Nigerian audience don't like that. But one of their biggest fear is how will their children react? Our children love us no matter what. And when we're living a lie, they lose respect for us. And we're also teaching them to live a lie as well, that it's okay Mm. to lie. It's okay to cheat on your partners. It's okay not to have integrity. Because when you have integrity, you don't cheat on people. You don't lie. And I I know the comeback is always, but I live in a country that criminalizes homosexuality. I do not know a single Nigerian that has been jailed because they were gay i know a lot of nigerians that have been harassed because they're gay but not a single person i repeat true. has been jailed for being lgbtqia that's true and the more of us that stand up to be counted the more the more we can educate people the more of us that have integrity and stop being naked on social media so that when shukura's mother hears that shukura is gay and they look for information online they don't see naked women having sex, believing that now they'll start to believe that we are actually crazy or that we are actually. Yeah, that's all de- it's limited demons. to. 
they like they, they put it exactly so that's why people exactly that's why people like my wife and i sit up so people can see others can see that where we are is possible you know you can achieve anything you want to be if you are willing to just do the right things and stand up to be counted because you i don't believe you can become you can get the keys to your promised land when you're pretending to be somebody else I just don't believe it from my walk anyways. That's another powerful gem right there. So with all that you've done, any plans on writing a book? And I'll take it for that, you know, with the stuff that you've experienced in life, (laughs) with the the things that you're doing and the things to come, there should be a TV show somewhere or a movie. So, well, any plans for book and come to movie? me with the TV? Well, I'm, I am definitely writing I'm a, a book. I'm affirming it, uh, manifesting it. <laughs> yeah, either one. Uh, you're, you're, you're manifesting it. Thank you. I receive it. I am definitely writing a book. Um, it's, it's a book to purify my spirit. Mm. So, it's not a commercial venture, it's okay. a venture to heal to just pull all the little pieces of me together. Um, And that's going to take a minute because I'm pouring out from my soul and it's not a fiction. It's a lot of painful memories that come. And for me, it's like therapy. You have to sit in it and experience each, each, um, each moment in time, in real time, when you go back to do an autobiography. So for me, it's something that will help me heal and pull all the pieces of Moji together. So yeah, I am writing in a book. For the movie piece, I'm not sure. You know, we, a lot of people have come to me with different offers. Um, I actually got a, this is not even off, this is totally off topic. I got a Nigerian station um, approached me a few years ago to bring authentic conversations to their stage, but I couldn't talk about having a wife. Ah, ah. So I turned them down. Yeah, so what, what, was, what, what was the point of that? <laughs> I flat out. So they wanted, exactly. They wanted you like, to come lie? You want me to discount a whole human being? Yeah. I'm not doing that. Ah. So for me, integrity is big. Integrity is everything. And I walk in my, in my truth. I walk my truth every day. So it is, I am who I am. And my stories are my, my experiences. I share them with others, hoping that it will help them to, it will guide them out of their darkness. I wish I had seen somebody that was like my wife or me or somebody out there when I was growing up, believing there was everything was wrong with me. Mm. To this day, I have imposter syndrome where I don't believe because I'm gay, I am worthy of where I am in this world. You know, it's an ongoing process for most of us that have been battered most of our lives. Yeah, a lot of us struggle with uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah. A version of it one, yeah. at various levels. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, I do have some of that too. Because mine is taking compliments. When people praise me, like, oh, you've done over 90 episodes of your podcast. Wow, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, you know, yeah. I know, right? I, 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 I struggle. And there are people like, oh, when you go start making a video version of your podcast, you know, you I'm like, why do people want to see me? Why do you want to see me? <laughs> <laughs> I look that good. 
I mean, I, you know, so yeah, yeah so I, I struggle with that. But the more I'm able to now, I'm at a place where I'm able to talk about it, and I'm, um, I think that's part of my therapy Good. too, and um, it's part of owning it and overcoming it. You know, so um, yeah, you also have uh, um, okay. Let me see. I was gonna go vacation, but before I, go, I get to that, let's go with um, you 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 have a an awesome place which um unfortunately the, the, due to the uh, pandemic you had to postpone the launch but let's um introduce the audience to solar solar wilson village um oh yes it's why 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 the decision to uh, i call it a ranch am i right to call it a ranch or should i just call it it is a village? ranch okay because I, I, anything in texas i always call it a ranch because <laughs> texas you know we but, prefer village village okay and yeah. So why 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 the decision to have a village and you know um for those who are not familiar with Texas why should they feel safe you know I know we, we, for now the pandemic yes we get it but why should they feel safe coming to a red state because everybody considers Texas a red state but you know oh, with time okay. the pandemic will be over. I, so, I don't right. How what we have so, so here's the deal. If someone has we that lived concern, in New York. Yeah. My, my wife and I lived in New York and we faced more racism there mm -hmm. and homophobia there than I've felt in Texas. I lived in New York for over 30 years. I owned a real estate company. I did a lot of flips. Even when we were trying to buy a few houses, mm -hmm. we, the homes were not sold to us. We haven't had that problem here in Texas. Now, people are going to be people wherever you go, but I think there's so much misinformation out there about a lot of places and i think everybody has to come and in you know really experience it themselves we are in a town with 564 people and there's four black people out of wow. the 564 with my wife and i only two wow exactly but when we came to buy the ranch unlike new york where we were not sold properties because we were black or because we were gay. They didn't care. It was the numbers that made sense. If the numbers made sense, they sold us a property. But we chose to, my wife and I have traveled a lot, especially she's traveled the world. I've traveled a lot. And sometimes because we're in exile from Nigeria, a country that criminalizes homosexuality with 14 years uh, penalty in jail mm -hmm. if you get married. I, Moji, was looking for a place that felt like Nigeria, not Nigeria, Nigeria, yes. which is the olden days Nigeria before all the madness that was created in Nigeria. When we were, when the pandemic hit, we wanted a place that we could go to that was, we're actually going to buy in Puerto Vallarta. That's where we we're going to buy the contract was sent and everything. Yeah. And then a, a tornado came and we had no place to go in the area. So we said, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't buy in Mexico. Maybe we should just buy something small here. And I'm a realtor. I was online one day just doing searches at 3 a.m. I saw this piece and I woke up. I called my wife up. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I found something. It reminds me of Nigeria. You got to take a look at this thing. The soil is that red, rich soil the villages have. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Well, I, I lived in, I grew up in Benin City, so it was the red soil we had there too. Exactly. 
the red soil, the spring-fed lake, because in Texas, most people have man-made lakes. Yes. The spring-fed lakes, the acres and acres, 40 acres is 240 plots. Wow. Ooh, I mean, just think about that, mm -hmm. you know, in one go. So we came, we the first time we came here, I started crying. My wife is all teary-eyed because it reminded her of a village. It reminded me of my village, you know? And then we went into contract with the property and we're sitting up one day and I'm like, you know what? We could build our own village. There's seven buildings on the property already. We're only looking for one cabin. So then the universe is telling us something. And little by little, the concept came together. We sat down and drew up the paperwork. And before you know it, my wife built the website. We put the buildings on Airbnb. Two hours after we posted it on Airbnb, boom, we started getting bookings. Wow. So we knew we were doing the right thing. But the concept here is is a taste of Africa in yeah. the heart of Texas. And the concept is to create a space where your sexuality, your religion, affiliation, your ethnicity, whatever you are out there, that the world looks down on you for or with, as long as you are a person with integrity and you're not a serial killer, everybody's welcomed here, you know? And that's a concept and we've been very successful. I'm very grateful to the universe. We've been very successful doing this. People love it here. I can't wait to come down there because I know there's enough room for my daughter to run around and get tired. So, yep. 40 acres, honey. I, I, <laughs> I can have a, 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 a real vacation because when she gets tired, yeah. go, go sleep one corner. I mean, let me, let me go enjoy That's myself. So, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. That, that'll probably be my village too because I love what you just yeah. said. You said we could build our own village. And that's true. Yes. If your village is, you know, if yes. they don't want you, if they're chasing you away for whatever reason, yeah. why don't you build your own village? You create your own. Create your own. That's why, that's why my my handle on so on IG for the past nine years has been Moji's World, because I did not feel like I fitted in anywhere. Mm -hmm. I didn't fit in church. Black people don't like gay people. A lot of black people don't like gay people. Nigerians did not accept me. And, you know, I stand at an intersection of five marginalized groups. So I created my own world. And people seem to be able to relate to me, you know, and it's always somebody. It's either women that have, you know, marginalized because of misogyny, yeah. the LGBTQIA. A lot of Nigerian LGBTQs don't like me. You know that, right? Because I preach morality they call mm -hmm. me the moral police <laughs> because i preach integrity because I, I, integrity I, 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 does I, I, not understand. have <laughs> I, 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 I i can see why they just i'm like people people need to listen like listen you know when when you you said you know uh people uh, people sh shouldn't uh, people shouldn't be found naked and like having sex and oh know, yeah I, I, I got the point there. It's not you. You're not telling people people should not uh, can't wear whatever they don't they want to wear or whatever. But no. this is what they shouldn't do. But people will now zero in there. I can see people just zeroing there. Oh, there she goes again. There she goes. I'm like, I was dragged. People need to listen on, on Clubhouse <laughs> with my name as the title of rooms. If you go to WhatsApp, they're dragging me there today, sir, uh, uh, because I said. 
what did I say? I said something to the effect of you're not bisexual if you're dating a man and a woman at the same time. You're a cheater, right? As long as they don't know. Like if somebody discloses mm -hmm. I'm dating two people of opposite gender, that's a polyamorous relationship. Yeah. There's integrity in it because you told both parties and you gave them the opportunity to say yes or no. So that's, I get dragged all the time. It doesn't even bother me, but it is what it is, you know? So Sola Wilson Village is a safe space for everybody. By the way, we have weddings. We are able to accommodate weddings, nice. um, any kind of social event here, because especially during pandemic, if you're looking for a place to have a family reunion, all the family members can meet here. We're able to accommodate 17 people at the moment. We have an event center that accommodates 50 people and our front lawn, you can have 500 people there, not during the pandemic, but okay. you know, hopefully yeah, when yeah. things die down a little, mm -hmm. we have enough space to accommodate about 500 to a thousand people on the property, on wow. the lawn. That is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, exciting. I, I know I'll be there in the, in the future. Probably next year. I know things calm down. Yeah, I haven't been in Texas for a while. Yeah, what was the closest big city to um, Solar Wilson Village? There's Austin. It's about 30 to 45 minutes drive, depending oh, on okay. how fast you drive. And okay. then there's Houston. That's about an hour, an hour, an hour, 15 minutes, depending on what end you're coming from. Oh, oh. so kind of in the middle. Yeah. Of, um, okay. Yeah. All right, that's, yeah. good. that's good. It's good. So, everyone listening, Solar Wilson Village. If you don't believe me, hit me up on Instagram or um, Twitter or Facebook. I'll send you the link. You check it out. Once you see the images, my friends who've seen the images, they, yeah, they're a bunch of them in New York are just waiting for the pandemic to uh, die down. And then, yeah, a bunch of them have said they, they have plans to go there because they, they love what they read. And, yeah, when I told them about you, they, they just... Yeah, they were blown away. So a lot of people have already been falling in love with the place and it's a place that I vouch for. So yeah. <laughs> Amen. So, Thank you so much. Yeah, beginning to wrap up, but there's some fun questions. We've been a little bit on the serious side. Let's jump into the fun uh questions where people who want to drag are gonna be like, they might come, they might still find something to drag you with, because if someone is specializing in dragging, they're gonna drag no matter what. So but that's, know, right? that's their concern. <laughs> so now let's start with the first one. The first one has to do with food. What is mm -hmm. your favorite food and where does it come from? Your favorite cuisine and where does my it come favorite from? food is my favorite food is honestly is um Amala. I'm and feeling you say that. It's, it's a Yoruba. Oh, I was expecting a goosey. With a goosey. A goosey. It used to be okra. Now I'm into a goosey. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> why, why, why the, the breakup of the alliance from okra to, to a goosey? I just think it's a lot more healthy because the older you get, you mm. know, your body is not reacting to the same meals. There's spinach in there and it's watermelon seed. Yeah. And, you know, so I just prefer it. It's tasty and it has all, everything I eat has to have a lot of pepper. <laughs> oh, so okay. Yeah, yeah, you're a real Yoruba yeah. woman. The pepper must be, mm, pepper must catch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it must be so, on fire. So, wait, um, I, I met uh, a Nigerian woman recently, a Nigerian born woman recently, and 
when I told her that I cook a goosey soup without palm oil, the woman almost threw me out of the room. Hey, what? So do no, you, we should do have you... the food police arrest you. <laughs> so, well, but how can, you, how can you go from Accra to a goosey and you say because it's healthier and you still use palm oil? You, uh, because there's spinach in it now. There's spinach, <laughs> there's pepper, there's garlic. <laughs> I use palm oil. Palm oil is actually for me, mm-hmm. and it depends on how you prepare it. If you burn it, I call it burning it. Uh-huh. If you heat it up to the point that it's almost white, it takes away a lot of the stuff in it, the cholesterol in it. So me, I like, I prefer palm oil. I eat palm oil. I use it to rub really, my body. That's going to prolong the, the amount of time I need to cook the, the gusina. I ain't got that oh, time. Sorry. Okay. sorry you. <laughs> You're not making it a good if you make it with anything aside of palm oil. What? The, the, That's the, like the, a fashion. The, it's a food for pa. Uh, now the rules have changed again. This 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 is this, this. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> You're trying to onionize the egusi. We can't do that, man. I, I you can't keep some things hey, original. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, I will, I, will, I will. I still have one bottle of palm oil somewhere. I will. I will bring it out and. Yeah. Why? Why you said Amala? I was expecting. Uh, uh, I was expecting Begiri or uh, 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 what's the other? Oh, I don't like Begiri. You don't? I don't like Begiri at all. I thought, I thought that I, still was uh, no, healthy. No, I tried it. I don't like it. Oh, okay. And, I'm sure it is for some people. And, I just don't like the so smell. Far, I don't like the look. I haven't heard anybody say Lafon yet. I'm still waiting for someone to come up and say Lafon is their favorite. Nobody. Lafon is a white one, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 nah, I don't like it. I, I, yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I ate lafun, but yeah, Amala, I, I love Amala. Yeah, my wife loves Amala because it's, yeah, it's, so. it's light. Because uh, when she eats Panadian, she, she, she ain't leaving the she ain't That's leaving the why table. I do it. She, she just yeah, yeah, I know, right? Panadian just weighs you down. <laughs> 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 uh, I have a, I have a good uh, good friend and he's uh, like a big brother to me from the navy my navy days and uh, he was born in Ibadan and they, they left um, I think he was age two when he left Nigeria he's never been back he's in his fifties now and we met when I was in right. ba- Bahrain so I was the, like the the guy who everybody came to his place I organized the food and all that so I got I was like when when last you eat panadiam I, I, is, this, is this not what they call Inyon? I said, oh, so you know that, you remember that Yoruba? I said, yes, I remember yep. a little bit. Because when I saw his face, I saw the, the mark on his face. I said, that mark look familiar. What's your name, man? And his accent was all American. I was like, ah, but he looked like a bad person, though. And then he said he was born in a bad I said, oh, okay. Okay. And yeah. that guy was like, yeah, I'll, I'll eat it. Give me, give me. That guy ate the Panadiam. That guy just, he, he moved from the couch. He was there. That, he was gone. He was there. He said, <laughs> He's like, bro, <laughs> next, next, next time, give me rice. Don't, don't give me this anymore. Give me rice. <laughs> it does. It knocks one out. <sighs> okay, so the next question. Now, we need you to dance. I know one hour might be too small, but we'll, we'll stick to one hour for now. But we need you to dance for one hour. And no matter what you say, we, we know you dance for one We know you can dance. So... We need you to dance to shake things down to boogie. Uh, what, what is, I, I remember. Uh, if you want to do Fuji, that's fine. But the Fuji dancing, whichever one. But uh, uh, Afro Juju. But uh, so give us the three artists that will keep you dancing for an hour. And you can't you you, you can't cheat by giving us American artists. You can't give us the, the no no the, no, like no, no, no no no. You know me. I'm so Afrocentric. Uh-huh, I, so. 
I am so Afrocentric. Okay. I created an Afrocentric accessory line called Shuku Accessories. Yes. Oh, That's yes. That's how Afrocentric I am. I love my African roots. So King Sonia Day, hey. Ebina Saobe, and Sonia Okoso. Hey. Old school. This, this, like, this is like my mom's playlist, though. <laughs> Wait, so King, King Sonia Day, Ebenezer Obe. King Sonia Day, number one. Yes. Ebenezer Obe, number two. And uh, Sonia Okoso, before he became Christian. <laughs> oh, that's true. Did that man do, didn't he convert to all the religions? I know he, yes, he, he did. Oh, he tried that, to. That, that man too. That, that guy. But he's 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 um he's um his Christian albums probably sold the most. Mm. But his most um artistic collection of music was before he converted into yeah. Christianity, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, this this is so yeah. This is bringing some memories. When was the last time I had? Con- King Sonia Day. That's real music. And uh, Beniza will be. Oh, that is. I interviewed him a few years ago. Oh, I wow. interviewed King Sonia Day in 2016. Yeah. I on, on my show on Facebook, I've interviewed um King Sonia Day. I've interviewed Femi Kuti. I interview a lot of people. Wow. <laughs> Believe it or not. That is. Yeah. That is I've beautiful. been very fortunate. Does does King Sonia Day <laughs> talk like the way he he he, he sings? Because he has this way he. It's like he's not singing like with with power. Is he? It's it's like just smooth. It's just. It's just like he's so cool. No, no, no. It's it's like an effort. It's no just, stress. Yeah, no stress. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 what I was looking yeah. for. No stress. Does he talk like that? Yeah, Kingston. Yes, he's so humble. He's so easygoing, and his voice is so soothing. Mm. Like he speaks in parables. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. those, he speaks totally in parables. The the song coming, the song coming to my head, nice. Uh, Yafumi, Yaf, uh, the. Eh, orimi ye oja. Yeah. Yafumi. Yafumi. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I that's, love. That's, yeah, I know. That's, I know all yeah, this music by heart. I, my my yes. music taste so. is everywhere. I got. I'm just eclectic. So I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you for spending your time with me today. Um, I, I will definitely have to bring you back again for another episode because I just love hearing from you. I love your show. There's, there's probably a, a lot more I didn't cover today, but we'll definitely have another episode again. And uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and uh, with your wife and your village. I know it's going to be a big success and, yeah, I, I encourage people to check it out and I'll have it in the links too. I'll, I'll make sure I put it in the links so people can check it out too when I release this episode. So for your final question, what would you like to leave the audience with? You know, your freestyle, it could be something that you've, uh, a mantra that you live by or a quote from um, a book that you've read. It could be something, a song, or maybe from, something from King Sonia Day that you just want to, you know, a parable yeah. from King Sonia. Who knows? But yeah, something that you, you just want to leave the audience with to wrap it up. Um, what I'd like to leave the, your audience with is the fact that is a statement that I live by, which is authenticity opens the doors to our promised land without becoming, allowing ourselves to become authentic selves it's kind of hard to become who we were created to be 
since each of every one of us is created for a purpose, when we're pretending to be somebody else, we do not, our spirit does not align with our purpose. And that's why there's so many people walking around the earth angry and upset. And to those that think they don't know anyone that's gay, 10% of the population of the world is gay, which means one out of, I'm going to say one out of every 10 people that you know is LGBTQIA, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or even questioning. And every time you speak negatively about the LGBTQ community or anybody else by that, for that matter, you never know which one of your friends, family, children, father, mother, brother, that is gay. I ask everybody to be compassionate, to be empathetic, and to try really hard to walk with a moral compass, regardless of what your sexuality, religion, color, race, or socioeconomic status is. Because if we all just start with integrity, everything else will fall into place. Thank you for having me on your show today. It's been fun. We we love you. We appreciate you. And keep up the great work that you're doing because people like me just continue to learn. We'll look up to you because you, 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 you open the doors for people like me. You, you, you wouldn't realize it, but without <laughs> people like you, people like myself wouldn't find the confidence to keep doing what we are doing. So, um, what would, uh, would you like to plug in? Uh, yeah. Plug in whatever you, you have to plug in right now. And I will you put, want me to plug? Okay. Yeah, Shame let plug. Oh, go ahead. It's your, it's your, it's your, it's your time. <laughs> go ahead, my sister. Go ahead. I'll, if you're on Facebook, um, find me on my public page. Authentic Conversations is what we do every Wednesdays. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure about the time yet because I might switch it from 10 a.m. If you're on I, if you're on IG, Moji's World is my handle. If you're on Clubhouse, Moji Solo Wilson is my name. I have two clubs that I created, co-founded, I should say. And it's um, authentic transformations where we have general conversations, regardless of sex, gender, race, whatever. And then we have the LGBTQ sanctuary where every Sunday at one o'clock, we meet in that room and we talk about challenges that we're facing or successes that we've had in during the week. It's a safe space for LGBTQ people to come to and just be. Um, otherwise, I'm a speaker. I'm an inclusion and diversity specialist. I'm also a certified life coach for my main business. I'm a licensed New York State real estate broker. I have a full life. I'm a married mother of four. And my wife, I'm so grateful that I had the courage to lean into my authentic self because my best friend also happens to be my business partner and my wife. And I'm grateful I'm just grateful to be alive and to be living in these times because the world is changing so fast. And if again, we don't we don't allow ourselves to let the light out and shine, we will not be able to attract a tribe. Thank you again for having me on your show. Always my pleasure. And shout out to your wife. My love and regards to her too. And um, uh, extra love and regards from her biggest fan who 
Uh, I would like to sure. know who that person is. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you know offline. Know I'll, let, I'll let you know offline. Offline. She, let yeah, she, know. She, she'll be so happy to know. Yeah, you... She she watches all your videos. She's she's yeah yeah she's she's a big fan, big big fan of yours. <laughs> she's in Texas with you too. Thank you so much. Always. So to oh, everyone good. listening, so I can invite her to the grand opening. Oh, I, she she would love to. She would love to. <laughs> so to everyone listening, thank you for your time. Thank you for being with us, and uh, thank you for the privilege of your company. See you next week. Keep the love coming and share, like, and subscribe. Alrighty, wrap. All right. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at White Label American at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.